Hi, my name is Christy, and this podcast is my pursuit to glean practical wisdom on femininity, homemaking, finances, relationships, and singleness from the God-fearing women in my life. Hope you enjoy this journey with me as we learn to smile at the future. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to the Smiling at the Future podcast. Last week, we discussed the beginnings of a relationship and how to be wise in that new and maybe uncharted territory. And today, we're going to cover if your relationship doesn't pan out, how to graciously walk through that and avoid the potential minefield that it can bring. Once again, we have Lynn Brown here and she is a certified biblical counselor, and she's also very straightforward in her approach, which I so appreciate because I want this wisdom to be easily understood with no beating around the bush, but she does this without sacrificing her loving and biblical approach. And now here is the second part of our conversation. Okay, so we are back for part two on this topic of relationships. So for the listeners, I would love for you to go back and listen to the beginning side of relationships that we talked about last time. And today we're going to talk about kind of the sunset of relationships. So if a dating relationship doesn't lead to the altar, how can we ladies handle this situation in a way that honors the Lord respects the man and helps us to move forward in life confidently following the Lord's leading and his sovereignty. So we're going to just jump right back in with this first question. How would you encourage the woman who has just been rejected or broken up with? Yes, great question. Well, first and foremost, we have to look to the sovereignty of God. Look at it from the hand of the Lord. And it's the best thing for you that the relationship ended. I know that it's hard to see it at the time. You don't know why that it happened, perhaps, and maybe you were hoping that it was going to lead to marriage, but you say, you know what, God has changed the course of action, and so it's a question of trusting him. You don't know why, but you know God's goodness and his faithfulness and his character and that you can stand on. You know, rejection, sadly, is a part of the course of life. Jesus was perfect, and he was the most rejected, misunderstood, unjustly maligned person there ever was. But the truth is, you've been accepted by the God of the universe. You're never going to be rejected in the way that really matters. In the ultimate course of life, you've gotten the gold card. You've got the most perfect groom ever. You've been invited to the best party ever because you are a believer. So all of that to say, breakups are hard and no one likes to go through a broken relationship. And that's why I love the truth that God is our rock. Our feet will not slip. We will not be shaken. Everything else in life changes. We face all sorts of difficulties in relationships, but we have our constant, sure relationship with our creator and our sustainer. 
And that's where, again, Jesus is our sympathetic high priest, and he knows the way you take, and he knows the emotional pain you're suffering through. I love what Amy Carmichael says about this. She was my go-to lady all during my single years. She says from Psalm 37, 5, commit your way to the Lord, trust also in him. And the word commit is translated as roll. And so she says, roll thy way upon the Lord. And roll means a trodden path, the journey of life, today's life. And she says, often when we cannot lift a thing, we can roll it. So the Hebrew uses this simple word, which we can so easily understand. Roll everything that concerns thee upon the Lord. Roll it again, no matter how many times you did so before, and then rest. Assure thyself in him, and he, he himself, will work. And so don't neglect the pain of a breakup. I think that you process that and you accept it's going to be difficult, depending on how deep the relationship was and what your expectations were. You know, I also think it's a, it's a good time to do a Bible study on the word rejection. <laughs> what do you learn? Search the scripture for God's comfort. He always meets us in the pain. And then, of course, I'm going to say do the practical things, like eat the entire pint of ice cream. And I, oh. I am not inciting anyone to gluttony, but don't do it as a practice. But there are some moments that eating the entire pint of Haagen-Dazs vanilla Swiss almond is called for, okay? And it might be one of those. Binge on a couple of Hallmark movies. Cry it out, you know? That's part of a breakup. Like I said, especially if it's bad and it's been an expectation that it was going to go way further. And then, though, I would say dry your tears eventually, reapply your mascara, and get going because that person was not your husband. But your husband may be at Trader Joe's that very week, and you're going to meet him in the frozen food aisle as you both reach for the bag of shrimp. So I'm getting moving fairly quickly because I always thought the older I got, I didn't have time to waste. I mean, that's how I was thinking. So I didn't want to dwell on it. Again, I, I had to receive it, and I had to submit to the pain and move through that, but I wasn't going to dwell on it because... I thought, you know what, <laughs> that wasn't my husband, but he's out there. And then I want to say something, talked about this a little bit before, but I want to say something about the physicality of a relationship. And this is just practical, everybody, this is a preemptive strike. The less physical you've been, the easier the breakup. Now, as Christians, of course, I'm assuming we all know sex outside of marriage is forbidden. And let me caveat that too, though, of course, if you are a believer and you have fallen in that way, you can be forgiven and healed. But I'm talking about even just holding hands, you know, think of it this way. My husband will tell you a divorce sets you back 10 years financially. Every time you get a divorce, you lose 10 years of built up savings. Every physical step you take, then you wind up breaking up with this person sets you back emotionally and spiritually. It's going to rob you and it's going to make recovery harder. So after you date a couple of times and it's going somewhere, again, that conversation usually comes up. It's 
are you okay with holding hands? You know, are you okay? Are you okay with that? What are the parameters of the relationship? So that's a really important conversation to have. And I just encourage you to be as conservative as possible for the future. So lastly, if it's been a bad breakup or even just really disappointing and you're discouraged and maybe you've felt just unmoored, this has really helped me with lots of questions in my heart when things don't work out and I want to make sense of it and I just can't let it go because it doesn't make sense. Sometimes you just are not going to have a complete picture of that, the side of heaven. So maybe despite your best efforts, you face that relationship that's eroded or ended and it's just an issue that you're unable to come to terms with. I find a lot of comfort in Ecclesiastes 1.15. What is crooked cannot be made straight, and what is lacking cannot be numbered. And the note in my Bible study says this, with no necessarily moral implications being made, these words measure wisdom as the ability to resolve issues in life. In spite of man's grandest efforts, some crooked matters will remain unstraightened. And I really like that because I can just be at peace with that. That truth has helped me a lot to just rest in those situations. That's really, really helpful, Lynn. And for the friends, uh, if you have a friend who is going through that, I would just encourage you to not say trite things like there are plenty of fish in the sea or (laughs) things like that you know, that's not helpful in the moment when someone's really hurting. Just be compassionate, listen, and try your best to bring that person back to truth in God's word. That is where ultimate healing and comfort is going to come from. It's not just you being like, oh, you're awesome. They didn't deserve you. And, (laughs) you know, trying to flatter you and build you up that way. But truth in God's word is the lasting comfort that our heart and soul craves and needs. So as a friend, be gentle in how you apply scripture to a hurting heart. That's going to be your best ally in a situation like that. Absolutely. And there's a season for everything. So you definitely take your time to, to grieve it. Again, it depends. Sometimes the relationship, let's say it's been six months or a year and you were thinking you were getting married and somebody breaks off the engagement, that's going to require a longer period of grief probably in your heart or maybe a two-month relationship that ended will be a little bit easier to handle. So it just depends. And you're right. You want to bear one another's burdens. You want to be a good friend and you want to, to listen. And then you want to go buy the ice cream or whatever. I mean, you know, (laughs) just the practical things you're going to do to get yourself through that time. So yes. Or go on a hike, get some endorphins or something. Eat the ice cream and then go on a hike and (laughs) burn off the calories. (laughs) Very good. Okay. So what if you need to be the one to break off a relationship? How do you recommend that this lady do that in a way that is gentle and respects the other person and just doesn't leave a trail of chaos in its wake? Right. It is tough, but it is doable. Men are eternal optimists when it comes to this. So you don't have time to waste and neither do they. I mean, I went back to that a lot of times just saying life is short. I need to get on with this. So 
I would say things like this. I would just say that my heart's not in it. I've said that before. It's really plain and it's really true. It's not a slam on the person. It's not personal in that way. Sometimes there's just no accounting for why it isn't clicking. And I'm convinced that that's the Holy Spirit. You know, God creates that attraction and puts people together. I really do believe that. So most Christian men want the truth, even unbelievers, you could say that about, about men in general, deal plainly with them. And you don't feel the same way that they do. You know, if you don't feel the same way, you're, you're going to go back to speaking the truth in love. It's the most loving thing that you can do is to be honest and end it as soon as you think it's not the thing for you. And that's the most respectful and loving thing that you can do. And it might hurt them. And they will probably feel rejected on some level, but rejection is part of the process. And there's no getting around that. Speak edifying and encouraging words, but you must say that you're just respectfully not interested in pursuing a relationship any further. So Romans 14, 19 says, therefore, let us pursue the things which make for peace and the things by which we may edify one another. So you want to come from a place of edification, but also at the same time, respectfully decline. <laughs> and be graceful when you speak. Of course, we love Ephesians 4.29. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is necessary for edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. And maybe just on a practical note also, um, depending on how long you've been getting to know this person, probably more helpful to say something in person. I've heard it said that anything negative that you need to say to somebody should be done in person. I think that's helpful to be sure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It, it gives them, a, I think it just shows a measure of respect and you're willing to do the hard thing. It's so much easier to send a message like that through text or email but it is more respectful of the other person if you can, because you're allowing them to respond to in that moment and they can see maybe your care and compassion for them. You know, it's a hard conversation to have. It is, it is. But then you go back to the unity of the body of Christ and your brother in Christ. And that is the thing that you want to maintain. And so you're right. It is a hard thing to do, but it's a necessary thing to do. And that's what you're looking for is, is to maintain the unity yeah. of the church. I think there's some exceptions to that process though. Like if you've just been corresponding for a few weeks or maybe went on one date or something, I don't think a big sit down conversation is necessary because you're not exclusive at that point. Right. You're not boyfriend, girlfriend. It's just kind of like, okay, you know, tried this for a little bit, but you know, not interested in future. So yeah use your own judgment in the situation you're in. But if there has been an extended period of time, investing of emotions face-to-face -face is always best. Agreed. And I don't know. I think if you can affirm what the guy did correctly, that is so encouraging for them. Don't deflate them completely. You know, you can say like, I so appreciated how you took initiative and asked me out and while we might not be a good fit, keep doing it that way and you will get married. 
Yes, I think that is really important. I would do that too. Mm-hmm. That's that's edifying to the yeah. man for sure. And yeah, like you said, Lynn, you don't have to over-explain why you're cutting things off. And I think we've talked about this before, but a lot of times it is just preference. It's not anything deep or big character flaws that you need to point out. And even if they did have big character flaws, you're not the person to point that out. Absolutely. Short and sweet is the best way to go. (laughs) Yeah. You're not their spiritual leader, their discipler or mentor. And uh, so you're not the one to have that type of a conversation with them. So, right. Okay. Um, So the next question, what are common temptations the slighted party might experience and how can they guard against these such as trying to make yourself look good and put down the other person situations like that? If you feel slighted, I would say deal honestly with the rejection. Again, Jesus understands your plight in that rejection, especially if you've been dating for a while and then broken up with, or even sometimes the first date you're really excited about, but you don't get asked for another God has gone before you in that. And so I think that's a really important thing to remember. He knows the way that you take. He knows the deepest signs of your heart and your greatest sorrows. And I just thought of this. I was very, very excited after this one date with this man. I really, really liked him. I thought that he was just super fun and smart and engaging and all of these things. And he asked me out and we went to lunch and then I was expecting a phone call and that kind of thing. And he he was actually friends with another guy friend of mine. And so I was waiting with bated breath for him to call me and nothing happened, nothing happened, nothing happened. And so I finally talked to my guy friend about it. And and I said, you know, have you heard from so-and-so and what did he think? And why hasn't he called me? And it was hilarious because my friend said, yeah, actually, um, he did. I got that information out of him. And it turns out that he didn't realize you were so tall. Oh no. (laughs) I said to my friend, I said, what? He asked me out at 5'11". I haven't grown. What do you mean he thinks I'm too tall? So it was hilarious. But you know what? It took me a while (laughs) to get over that because I liked him so much from that first date. So real disappointed, real disappointment even in that moment. But the temptation can be to react, you know, in anger and hurt and and sadness. So I would say be real about the situation, but always think rightly about the other person and counsel your heart to have a mature response. So humility is always the best way to go. Lord, I'm going to learn from this. I know perhaps you want me to grow in patience and humility and love for my brothers and sisters, even when they're unlovely and they're going to disappoint me, that kind of thing. So 
Galatians 6, 1, 2 says, Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. So gentleness, meekness is a humble attitude that is submissive in every offense. And that's difficult having no desire for revenge or retribution. So you're submitting to the will of God and considering the other person. And that's a difficult thing to do, you know, when you're hurting. So God calls us to do that still, and that's a command. So reject the temptation to dwell on the situation or nurture resentment. That is something just in general, that you will fight in a marriage relationship. So think of it being past just the situation you're in right now, but how you're going to handle marriage. Women tend to mull things over a thousand times, and it can lead to harboring resentment, and you don't want that. So God is testing you in your response. That's how you have to think of it. Are you going to trust him? Are you going to revile back? And, you know, the list goes on. So think regardless of what this man has done and as far as hurting my feelings or disappointing me what does the lord expect from me who says in john 14 15 if you love me keep my commandments so how am i doing with that the command to treat this person uh in love even if they've hurt me because again in marriage you're going to be doing the same thing your husband who is a sinner just like you will hurt you, reject you, speak unkind words at some point. <laughs> at some point in your marriage, you're going to face the same thing. Sometimes, you know, unwittingly. But the Lord is testing you and pruning you and sharpening you. And we've, we've just got to see it that way. And as we know, holding our tongue is possible. Restraint is possible. Psalm 31.1, David says, I said, I will guard my ways lest I sin with my tongue. I will restrain my mouth with a muzzle while the wicked are before me. So the hardest times to bridle my tongue or to subdue it or restrain it to keep it caged is when I perceive I'm being sinned against or rejected or I've been hurt and I think I need to defend myself. But what, it, you know, what does David say? He's saying, I will guard it and I will restrain it. He's committed and he's made a choice. And so he, then he goes on to even say, and now, Lord, what do I wait for? My hope is in you. So I think that's an important point too. And then just make sure you've forgiven any offense. I think I've already mentioned, I might not have, but Colossians 3.12, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. I think I did say that. So bearing with one another is to hold up and to sustain and to endure in spite of threats and indifference and complaints and to not retaliate. So forgiving one another, just as if anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. And Christ forgives us completely and eagerly and generously, and forgiveness is a command. So I think that's important because it benefits you as well to forgive this person. And we're, we're called to be long-suffering and patient and forbearing. And that's just part of the sanctification that God is doing in us. And I think that that will free you up. So, and I'm just going to say this practically, you can write all your feelings and all your emotions down in a journal and take it to the Lord and pray about it. And then 
this is a great physical thing to do. Cross it off the list. So take a pen, a real pen and real paper and write things down longhand, take them to God and then forgive and cross it off. And so that will just help you, I think, in any resentments that you have about the relationship writing things down always helped purge me. And then I felt like I could get some closure on that. And I've taken it to God and he knows. And you know what? People will misunderstand you. People will disappoint you and people will hurt you. But the Lord of glory never will. And I could take it to him and I could say, Lord, you know, you know, you understand. And I'm going to give it to you and I'm going to cross it off. Wow. Lynn, I'm just like sitting here just feeling so convicted. (laughs) And I, you know, I think the good quote that John MacArthur says is you're never more like God than when you forgive. And I mean, God is the one who suffered the most unjustly and he forgave us. And so how much more should we be able to forgive others who have wronged us or slighted us? Yeah. And so helpful to write it down because it's so easy to talk about this with other people and to talk about it with too many people. You know, of course you're going to have your people that you trust, that you go to, that you, you pour out your heart to and you share and they can encourage you, but don't have that circle be too big. You don't want to, you want to protect this other person's reputation. you it is not your goal to slander them to others. If anything, that reflects negatively on you and not the other person as much. Exactly. It's the test that God is putting you through on how you're going to handle the situation. Yes. Yeah. You have complete control over how you respond in any life situation. So before God, that is what he holds you to and what you're accountable for, not how the other person responds. So. And I've asked this question before on a podcast, but I love getting different answers for it because I think there's different ways of doing this. So if you're not interested in going out with someone, uh, what can you say to be both clear and gracious in turning down a guy? I would say be careful because there is a temptation to over-spiritualize the situation. And as women, we want to be nice and kind and which is good, which is good, but we do have to be firm. So don't say things like, you know, I've prayed and fasted and you're not the one, right? (laughs) I mean, pray, of course, there's the Holy Spirit guidance here, but don't say things like, well, I don't know if it's God's will, things like that, because those are obstacles the man can easily hop over and rightly so. I mean, if you're walking in the spirit, he's a Christian, you're a Christian, you can date him. So so there's never any like good excuse like that. Don't say things like that. Those kind of responses give him hope that you're interested on some level, but you're not. This is what I'm assuming you're not. So you just simply have to say, thank you for the offer. I really appreciate that. I know it's not easy to ask, but respectfully, I'm going to say no, that type of thing. So just be clear, be honest, be respectful, but don't don't give a lot of wiggle room and don't encourage him with things like that where he thinks, oh, I can just hop over that because she's interested some way, but she maybe just doesn't know about it yet or her, she's ambivalent. So I can change her yeah. mind, <laughs> that type of thing. <laughs> yeah. So that, that does segue into what if he doesn't take no for an answer and is overly persistent? 
Right. So that's being clear enough, being gracious, but firm, because like I said, if, if he picks up that he might be able to change your mind and he really likes you, he's going to try to do that. So this is just what I would say about that. If it crosses over, they may need to be admonished. And I've done that before. I had to tell someone I thought they were inappropriate on the first date and how Christian women expect something different. And I was really doing it to try to help him see the error of his ways, if you will. I mean, it was genuinely, uh, you know, it was, it was a genuine response that I wanted to help him. And I thought he need he needs some help. So I wanted to help him improve, if you will. And it wasn't from an arrogant standpoint. I just knew if he kept behaving that way that he probably wouldn't find a wife. And so I had to tell him, no, I'm not interested in going out again. But if it gets weird, (laughs) and it has in church before, if it gets to that point where you're feeling uncomfortable, you need to tell the pastor ASAP, the elders might need to get involved. And that has happened at our church before. And I would just say this, because this is the time we're living in. The days are growing darker. You need to be discerning. If something doesn't seem right, it probably isn't, especially at a church our size. If you're listening and you go to a smaller church where everyone knows each other, that's somewhat safer. But a large church has a lot of people coming and going, and there's opportunities for people with, I would say, you know, shady motives to hang around. So don't assume every man you speak to on your church campus is a true believer. (laughs) There are wolves among the sheep. So it can be uncomfortable, I would say, but just really be discerning in those situations. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's not, like you said, you can get uh, a pastor or elders or just another, maybe a brother or father or someone to step in and be like clearly and firmly (laughs) scare this guy off and say, there is no hope of you going down this road. Stop. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Sometimes you have to build a wall and blow up the dynamite behind the wall in such a way that just says, no, nada, never, not going to happen six ways from Sunday. I mean, you just have to really be that clear. So and, uh, you know, that's, that is such a difficult place for a, a person, a lady to be in. So really sympathize with you if that is where you find yourself. But most of the time, if a guy is a Christian, he will take the hint early on and it won't lead to those difficult encounters. Right, right. Most of the time, that's absolutely true. But I'm going to tell you, if there's a woman out there, a young lady out there, an older lady out there that deals with fear of man which I have dealt with for quite some time, it can be very difficult because you don't want to let them down and you don't want them not to like you or you don't want them to feel bad, all of those things. So be very, very careful. Know that the Lord is trying to uh, bump up this area in you as well to speak the truth in love and to fear God and not fear man because it is uncomfortable, but but you do need to do it and you do need to be clear. And so don't shrink back. I'm saying that it can lead to things that you don't want it to lead to. Fear of man will prove to be a snare. And I have had that happen to me on more than one occasion. And that proverb is absolutely true. So take heed. Yes. And 
guys for the most part are very resilient. So you might be completely torn up in your heart about having to break something off or say no to somebody, but they'll get over it. They have before and they'll move on with their life. Right. Especially if they're theologically sound because they can take it back to what they know about Christ and his truth and what we know. So in the same way, if we're rejected, we understand it in God's sovereignty. So at the same, in the same way, they can take it to the Lord in God's sovereignty. They know if they're grounded that the Lord has not brought the two of you together. <laughs> so yes. Yeah. Sovereignty. So important there. <laughs> Okay. So what encouragement can you offer someone if the other person reacts immaturely to the breakup? So lady breaks off a relationship. The guy does not handle it well. How should that person react to that situation? Yes, this is a great question. And I have a few stories. So I will tell you a couple of them. Well, I, like I said before, I was in a group of friends during my single years. And that was just great, God's provision. And I had two really close girlfriends. So I'm going to use different names for the story, even though it was 20 years ago. So nobody really knows these people, but uh, it was Valentine's Day. And I'm going to use the name Lucy. Lucy had just been on a date a few days prior with a seminary student, and she worked at the church at the time. So it was Valentine's Day. We were going to go to dinner, we meaning me and Lucy and our other friend, Jane, because of course we did not have a Valentine. So we were each other's Valentine. So we're meeting at my apartment and Lucy comes waltzing in and she says, you're never going to believe this. And we'll call him Lance. Lance came by my office this morning after I told him I wasn't interested in another date and he gave me this and she's waving a letter at us and she says it's two pages all about how I was foolish for turning him down and the things he didn't like about me. And Jane and I said in tandem single spaced <laughs> we could not believe could not believe it. And she said, yes. And so, you know, we proceeded to paint our nails or something or do something girly while she read us the letter. You know, girlfriends who are single at the same time, it's, it's so great to have them when you're going through stuff like this. So that was a very immature response after one date. And this was a seminary student. And he poured over two single-spaced typed pages of why she was foolish to say no for a second date. Then my other friend, Jane, after a few dates with a particular fellow, when she declined the third or fourth date, he emailed her and gave her the statistics on the probability of a woman her age getting married if she waited much longer, then the probability of her being able to bear children if she waited much longer, and then the chances that said children would be born without birth defects if she waited much longer. <laughs> I mean, and another, cannot believe it. So actually, those are the moments that you conclude you made the right decision on not accepting another day. So, you know, it was just incredible. But using that opportunity to tell you the things that are 
are wrong. And that's just very, very immature, especially if you haven't been dating that long. So <clears throat> things, you know, I, I always say, especially when you're first dating and it, and the relationship is new and even, I don't know if it's gone six months and you're leading to marriage, things should be rosy. It should be rosy. There shouldn't be a lot of conflict and things that you don't like about each other. That does not lead to a successful outcome. So all, all of that to say that this person who wrote that letter and sent that email needs to mature and needs to grow in grace just like we all do. That brother is on a learning curve and he wasn't responding to rejection very well at all. <laughs> so, you know what? Here's the thing to remember about that. They are going to learn eventually because they will probably get married. And what they don't know when they're writing that letter and haven't been married yet is that in their marriage, they will be rejected they will be treated unkindly or poorly when they get married. Again, at some point in their marriage, their wife is going to act in a sinful way toward them. So they will either mature and learn how to love their wives and live with them in an understanding way, or their life is going to be rough. So they're going to figure out very quickly that that is not the way to go, that you don't criticize like that, that you don't say inappropriate things like that, that you don't handle rejection like that. So again, back to everyone, including us, you know, everybody is on a learning curve. And so we just have to know that hopefully, eventually, they're going to grow in that. And like I said, if they get married, that kind of behavior is not going to last if they have any hope of having happy wife, happy wife, happy life, you know, that's, that's the old what Chinese proverb, I think, happy wife, happy life. So now that being said, in humility, be aware there might be truth in what the person is saying. In other words, this is just an example. If you've had two breakups and both of the guys mentioned your sarcasm, for instance, maybe you want to take that into account. Maybe if you've just had one breakup and the guy says that you seem to have an anger problem <laughs> and your family has been telling you that, pay attention, right? The Lord may be wanting to get your attention there. So I think that's just kind of another principle you might want to take a look at. And always, God is always carving out that place of humility in us. That's so, so encouraging. And yeah. We all want to be humble. It's a great opportunity to practice that, to not react, to pray for them, to be compassionate towards them, because we all do want to see growth in our brothers and sisters in Christ. And we will spend eternity together and we will be perfect someday. So keep that Amen. end goal. <laughs> keep that <in> mind. Yeah. <laughs> Big picture goal. This person will be in glory with you, completely perfect and sinless someday. So be reminded of that. That work will be accomplished and finished in their life as it will be in you. So there's a lot of hope and a lot to look forward to. But how can the girl guard against doing that same thing to the guy to tell him all the things that he did wrong? It can be such a temptation when a, a relationship ends to kind of justify yourself in that way. Do you have any advice? 
Right. And I think it might depend on how the relationship ended because sometimes if it doesn't end well, there's not much room to, I would say, and this is if you wanted to give them some constructive criticism, there, there might not be an opportunity for that at all. So I would say that you want to go back to those principles of loving your brother, bearing their burden, knowing that, you know, they're on a learning curve, those kinds of things. And then maybe, maybe if the person would be open, (laughs) you might pick one or two things. Perhaps you really do want to help them and say, this was really difficult in this relationship. If you're open to hearing about that, when this happened or that happened, that can be very hurtful toward a woman or that kind of thing. You might, you might have audience to do that, but you might not. And so you just have to, I would say, go back to those principles of dealing with the breakup and remembering that you have to forgive and you have to love and you have to guard your uh, heart and your mind and your mouth to not dwell on things and to not want to retaliate is a big one. And again, broad picture, broad picture, broad picture. And when you get married, that kind of thing is going to happen in some form because we're human and sinful in a relationship, in your marriage relationship. So you do need to work that muscle in say, I'm going to speak kindly, even sometimes if I'm not spoken kindly too, or I need to give grace here, a lot of grace, or I need to learn how to bring up an issue and not fear a retaliation, sometimes even uh, with, with sinful things. You do have to do that when you're married too. say there's a sin pattern or something that you see in your husband or he sees it in you. You do need to learn how to gracefully and graciously come together and work that out. So just for your listeners, it's not just being single. It's how these principles apply to an eventual married relationship. So think about it in long term. And I would also say, make sure that the things that bothered you or annoyed you in the relationship are, and that you're wanting to bring up maybe are not just preference things like, oh, you're messy or you're, you're late all the time or, you know, you're really into this weird hobby or something like just like that could just be who they are as a person and somebody else would probably, that wouldn't bother them. So just be very aware of if you bring up anything that it's not a preference, maybe talk to someone you trust or or ask them, okay, is this a sin issue or is this just a preference that I have? That's important, Christy. That's really important because I think that's completely true. You want to zero in on sin issues if you're going to go down that road because preferences, again, in marriage, you're not going to know before you get married some of the preferences or some of, like you said, the strange hobbies that your husband might, might have. <laughs> and you're going to, you're going to have to cover that in marriage. You're going to have to learn to put aside perhaps your own preferences or things that you want. And both of you as Christians are going to be doing that with one another, but it's a great concept and a principle to think about. If you're bothered by things like that, that's important that you start to think, no, I need to learn to grow in grace 
because everybody has preferences and there will be things that I like or don't like and my husband vice versa and we have to learn to live together. And going back to what I said earlier in the last episode, God is the best person to bring conviction to a heart. You're not. So just roll that burden onto the Lord, ask and pray, and and you want to see the Lord do that work in their heart, but know that you're not necessarily the one to do that. Amen. That is absolutely true. In marriage as well, always be praying for your husband because the conviction that comes to him through the Holy Spirit is far better and far greater than your two cents, if I shall say. <laughs> Brings much better results. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> oh, well, thank you so much, Lynn. This is just the nitty gritty of life and it's not uh, a roses and butterflies topic, but it's needed and it's part of this fall in life that we have to navigate these types of situations and scenarios and breakups. So it's just good to know how to do that in a wise way that, like I said at the beginning, that honors the Lord and respects the other person. And do you have any parting thoughts that you want to share with the listeners? Well, I just love this and I just want to share, I think this, uh, biblical truth just in terms of relationships in general and because i'm thinking of the hard things and i'm thinking of the forgiveness and i'm thinking of all of that too so well first of all god is mighty he will bring us through he always does whether that's a date or a relationship or a breakup any of those things we serve such a wonderful Lord, who cares infinitely and deeply about his children. And so never, never forget that. And then I just think about relationships and we just need to trust the Lord for restoration and for healing in relationships across the board. And that he is just such a master at bringing beauty for ashes. And I think about Genesis 41, the story of Joseph and Joseph this is 49 and then 51, 52. Joseph gathered very much grain as the sand of the sea until he stopped counting for it was immeasurable. Joseph called the name of the firstborn Manasseh for God has made me forget all my toil and all my father's house. And the name of the second he called Ephraim for God has caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. And so in all that he went through, he didn't forget the facts, of course, but God in his goodness blessed him and brought him through. And the implication is that the sting wore off and God healed his heart and caused him to be fruitful and brought good out of the situation. And I think that's really an encouraging truth, regardless of the relationship, that God will do that, make beauty for ashes. And I just, I just love that about how the Lord sees relationship and healing and restoration. So in all of that, in all of that, breakups and bad dates and all of those things, <laughs> once you get past that and once you are married and most of you listening, take my word for it, will be married. The preponderance of you will be married and not single the rest of your life. So when you are married, I'm going to say it in the positive like that, 
all of those bad dates and all of those bad relationships and breakups will be just a drop in the bucket and you will forget about them very quickly. I remember things because I have such an active imagination and I'm a writer. And so every little point of dialogue or look that somebody has kind of locked away in my mind. That's the way I operate. That's why I can tell the story because I remember it in that way. But the general principle is, and it's true for me too, is that all of that is so far in the past and it's healed over and it's gone. And I never think about it really. So just take heart that eventually when that one comes along (laughs) and you do get married, that all of the stuff that took place will just be a shadow. Well, thank you so much, Lynn. Yeah, just really helpful wisdom today. And I appreciate all of your time. And I appreciate you sharing some of those just personal examples and stories. And that makes it very real and helps us to understand each of these wisdom principles and how to handle it in a real life context and situation. So I appreciate you opening up your life to the listeners and to myself in that way. Absolutely. It's my joy to do that. 